We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithane.org.au. This morning, I want you to know that God loves you. He absolutely loves you. There is absolutely nothing today that you can do to make God love you anymore. And there's absolutely nothing you can do today to make God love you any less. Because the Bible says God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. If you believe in him, you'll never perish, but you're going to have everlasting life. God loves you. And as we begin to look at some different aspects of prayer today, it's got to start from this point that God loves me so much that he sent Jesus. And if you were the only person on this planet, Jesus would have died for you because he wants you to spend eternity with him. So as we take a moment to take this cup, eat this bread, remember what he's done. And it's an act of absolute love. This is an act of the greatest act of love that you can ever imagine, Jesus dying for you. He wanted to make provision for your sin, provision for everything you've done wrong, so that he could walk with you for the rest of eternity. So I want you to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's not about how good your week's been, it's not how good you are or how much of a Christian you are, it's about God absolutely loves you. And as we take this today, allow that love to sink deep into your heart. So Lord, today we wanna say thank you so much for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. We remember that you have set us free from sin and death and hell. But Lord, we also embrace that we are incredibly loved and there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we take this bread, we say thanks. We take this cup, we say thanks. And Lord, as we eat and drink today, we want to remember it's out of love that you came, your love for us, and we say thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. And as you're praying and asking for answers to prayer, God still loves you. And prayer is so much our culture here at LifePoint, and as we do our series on culture, we really want to explore what it means to pray bold, faith-filled prayers. Because as we pray bold, faithful prayers, as I talked about last week, we see an act of God. As we pray into the generations to come, our generations to come are going to have an easier time if the generation now leans into God and prays for the generation. There's such, such power in prayer, the mighty power of God as we pray and as we lean into God. But we need to understand, personally, there are times, I think every one of us, have you ever prayed and God, you felt that God isn't there or he hasn't heard your prayer? Put up your hand. I've prayed sometimes, like, God, where are you in this? God, give me a, a glimmer of light where you are. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. And you say, God, have you forgotten about me? I want to tell you, God has never forgotten about you. 
God will never stop loving you. It's like last week I had this big, um, big container here and I put all these balls in that container to represent our prayers. And their prayers are always kept by God. He doesn't chuck away the prayers, but every prayer adds on to the next one because God hears every single prayer you're praying. But from our point of view, prayer for us is just a snapshot, a picture, a photo. God, this is how I see life right now. So I pray this prayer because I want you to change it. And when God answers your prayer, He sees the finished production reel and He answers your prayer from the finished production reel, not just the snapshot or the um, glimmer of light that you're seeing now. And He answers prayer in a different way and you're wondering, God, why are you answering prayer in that way when I really see it needs to be done like this right now? It's because God is looking at the big picture. And sometimes it's hard to understand prayer from the now perspective rather than from the big picture. The Bible tells us in Scriptures, it says, ask and keep on asking and will be given to you. Why do we have to keep on asking when God heard me the first time? But the Bible says, keep asking, keep seeking God. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks should believe that they have already received it and God will give it to them to keep on believing. Don't give up. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, now mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. That's not a lot of faith, but it will move mountains. I've just got to have that much faith. Faith and prayer go hand in hand. Faith and prayer aren't miles apart. But as we pray and we have faith that God has got this, he comes up with what is his answer. So we need to lean into God to understand he's got the answers for the big picture. Just because I don't understand what is God doing doesn't mean that he's not working for me and with me and for my future. I want to look at a character in Scripture that I think is quite unique. His name is Jonah. I don't think I've ever preached on the book of Jonah before. But Jonah, when it comes to Jonah and prayer, there's some amazing stuff that goes together. Now, it shows the perspectives of God answering prayers in a big picture. So let me just read a little bit about Jonah. Jonah was a guy running away from God, if you don't remember who he was. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because of its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed towards Tarshish. Now get the big picture. Here is Jonah, a prophet of God, called by God, an amazing man. And God said, I want you to go to this town. I want you to go to a great city, 120,000 people. Go to Nineveh and preach repentance because they're doing the wrong thing. Go and preach to them so that in my heart as they, they, they repent, that I might save that city. Otherwise, I'm going to destroy the city. And Jonah went the other way. And we all judge Jonah and say, well, what a weakling, and etc., etc. But Jonah had a reason to run away from God. That's going to unfold as we get a bit further. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea with such a violent storm that it rose and threatened the ship and the ship started to break up. 
All the sailors were afraid and each one cried out to their gods, small g, so they all had different gods. And they threw all the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship in the hope of being surviving the storm. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Here he is, ships being tossed everywhere. He's just sleeping because in his heart, he really knows what's going on. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let's cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on, you guessed it, Jonah. So they went down, woke him up and, tell, and he said to Jonah, tell us who is responsible for making all the trouble for us, Jonah. And then they asked the worst question they could have asked. They said, what kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? And who are your people? Jonah answered, he said, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land, the wind and the waves. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They realised, they realised right there. But what they were going through was a result of another person's rebellion and sometimes in life we go through circumstances because the result of someone else's bad decisions I don't think there's anyone here that's never been through bad circumstances because the result of someone else's bad decisions Jonah was making a bad decision he's trying to run away from God and get away with it and everybody knew it. it's embarrassing when you've sinned and everybody knew it everybody knew it the sea was getting rougher and rougher so they asked him what shall we do to make the sea calm down for us and he said simply pick me up throw me into the sea he replied would you answer that that's stupid absolutely should kill me Kill me and it's going to all be okay and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they couldn't. For the sea grew even more wild as they tried to do it. Then they cried out to the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, not their God, please, Lord, do not let us die taking this man's life. So here's these guys, knowing they couldn't get out of it, knowing that the wind was absolutely incredible, and they had to make a choice, either drown at sea or kill one of God's chosen prophets. That's a big choice. Because after all, they feared God and they saw the wrath of God right there in the ocean. Do not hold us, God, accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord God, will do as you please. I want to tell you, when God has a purpose for you, you are eternal until God calls you home. Jonah realised that God had a plan and a purpose for him, and that was to go to Nineveh and tell the people to repent. Whatever he did isn't going to stop him from ending up where God wanted him to be. Then they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm, and 
At this, the men greatly feared the Lord God Almighty, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord God Almighty and vows to him. So do you know what happened in the midst of this trauma? These guys on the boat realized that Jesus Christ, that there is a Lord God Almighty. They gave up on their little gods, and they realized this God is above every other God, and they trusted him. In the midst of the calamity, in the midst of the valley, I want to tell you, God provides. Jonah realized, whether it's on the boat or in the ocean, God's going to provide. God always provides. He didn't guess it was going to be a big fish, but he knew God would provide. If God wanted to steal the ocean and there'd be another boat there to be, for him to be thrown in, there would have been one. But God chose a big fish. So he gets thrown in the ocean. The provision of God in the midst of the circumstance is a big fish. Big story to swallow. Yep, have a look at some stories on YouTube and Facebook and um, the internet and you'll realise that people have been swallowed by whales these days and they have survived. It's not too hard to, to um, understand this story. The God provided this mammoth fish so that Jonah would survive because God had a plan and purpose for his life. I want to remind you that God loves you so much that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And along the way, he is going to provide, even if you're on a boat in the midst of a storm, running away from God, he is still going to be there and he is still God, our provider. Just as he did the manna in, in Egypt. He provi- as they come out of Egypt into the promised land, he provided the manna. The manna, it is, what is it? Manna translated, the word translated is, what is it? Because the people expected quail. And they go out and they've got this gucky manna that they've got to pick up. What is it? God provided. He didn't provide in the way that they expected, but God provided. God provided for Jonah, not in the way that Jonah had expected, but he provided because God, Jonah had to fulfill God's plan and purpose for his life. So all he's praying and all he's running away and doing his own stuff, God's plan and purpose was best for him and for a nation. So he had to trust and follow God. Listen to the response. When God saw what they had done, all the people in the town after, um, after he had preached the town, when God saw that all these people had repented after Jonah finally got to the town and finally preached the, preached to the people to turn from their wicked ways and trust God, he relented and did not bring destruction upon them. So in Jonah doing what God said, finally ending up in the town, finally preaching what he needed to preach. The whole town repented, the whole town turned around, and they were saved by God. It'd be great if the story ended there, but the story doesn't end there because Jonah started to bellyache to say, God, why did you put me through all this stuff? God, why did I have to go through the belly of this big fish? Why did I have to get thrown overboard? Why did I have the embarrassment to preach to a whole great big town of 120,000? And as I preached and told them that God is going to destroy the town, just to know in my heart that you are loving and you're compassionate and you're not going to destroy it, God, I'm embarrassed. And he had a pity party. Have you ever been embarrassed? Because God hasn't provided for you the way that you expected him to. 
Have you ever been embarrassed because God didn't turn up and answer the prayers the way you were praying, but he had another way of provision for you? So let me just finish the story. Here is Jonah. He's outside the city in the desert area, bellyaching to God and said, God, I'm really angry with you because you didn't have to send me there anyway because you saved the city. You saved them. So why did you bother sending me there to make a fool of myself, telling them that they're going to repent because God's going to kill the city and destroy everybody. And now I look like the biggest fool. And God says to him, you've got every right to be angry. I understand why you're angry. And as he sat there, all of a sudden this tree, this leafy plant started to grow up over him. And God provided shade for him as he sat out there in the desert with this mammoth leafy plant just to let him know that he's loved. God's provision. God's provision, first of all, was a big fish. Second provision was a plant for shade. But then how do we work this one out? The next morning, God provided a worm. Same word as the fish. Same word as the bush. God provided a worm that ate the bush, that destroyed all the shade, and there he was in the heat of the sun, belly aching to God. And then it goes on to say, God provided this mammoth, hot wind. God provided. So God provided two good things, and God provided two bad things. What on earth are you doing, God? It's good when God gives the good stuff, isn't it? It's good when we see the miracles and the miraculous and the provision, but when God provides in a way we don't expect, man, that's really tough. And what God was doing was saying, Jonah, don't sit here and die. There's a plan and a purpose for your life. Keep going. Don't give up. And the reason that he provided the worm, the reason that he provided the, the warm wind was, Jonah, get on with it. Get into another place. Get going because I have plans and purposes and something uh, I want to walk with you and I don't want you to give up. Sometimes when God provides in a different way than what we expect, we start to bellyache and we think God doesn't love us. But God loved Jonah so much that he didn't want to leave him there just in self-pity and anger and resentment. He loved him so much to say, Jonah, there's still life to live. Get out there and keep living it. And some of the prayers that we prayed along the way, God has provided for us, but we haven't seen the provision and we blame God and we bellyache to God because he provided in a different way. Sometimes because it's the snapshot, it's just a photograph and not the finished role of film, we don't see what God is doing, but God's saying, I'm providing, trust me. When Meryl and I went to um, a town in central Queensland to plant a church, many of you know that um, we were there for 12 months, and then a house caught on fire. Middle of the night it was, um, what was it, Australia Day, 1988, um, we'll never forget it. Woke up, I woke them up in the middle of the night, and I knew the house was on fire. I didn't smell any smoke, I couldn't see anything, but I woke up and God had put on my heart, the house is on fire. So usually you try and just get out of the fire, I had to go and find the fire. So <laughs> I went and found the fire and all underneath the house where we had everything to do with the church and the photocopier and the Christian stuff, it was all on fire and stuff like that. So cut a long story short, we got the kids out and that was okay. 
And I was cranky with God. God, we'd gone all this way. We're serving you in the middle of nowhere. We're trusting you, and everything we've got Christian has just been destroyed. Why? And you know what? As I play back the big reel, what I want to say to myself as I've got a hose and trying to put the fire out while I'm waiting for the fire brigade to come, I want to say to myself, feel provision. In the midst of this fire, provision. God is providing for you right now, even though you can't see it, you don't know it, you don't understand it, provision. God is providing for you. And I wouldn't have believed myself even if I did. But out of that fire, some amazing stuff happened. Out of the fire, all the miners got together and they um, took up a, a love offering for us and we were able to buy a better photocopier than what we had before. Churches got together and gave us resources so we had more and better resources than what we had before. And one big thing was being in that town, it was really difficult for me because the, um, I was working full-time as a teacher as well as full-time um, building the church. And the principal of the um, school really disliked me. I don't know why, but really disliked me and um, gave me a really rough time. And others too, it wasn't just me, a really rough time. And something changed. God provided through that fire to change the heart of the um, principal of the school because he lived in a teacher's house exactly like ours, not far away from ours. He had two young kids just like we had at that time. And fear just gripped his life that the same thing could happen to him. Because the fiery said the kids were sleeping in our room that night because it was so hot. They said if they were in their room, the fire started underneath their room. If you went in to get them, you probably would have all fallen through the floor and all could have caught on fire. And he had this fear in his life to the point where he had fire extinguishers around his house. He had um, rope ladders coming out the side of the veranda so that they could escape in the, the sense of fire. But he saw that we went back into our house and we have absolute peace because we know that God is in control. Provision. And in the stuff that you're going through, don't just say the enemy's got it. Think provision. There's provision here that God provides in a really deep and wonderful way when it doesn't look as though God's providing. Why did this happen? Why am I here? Don't be embarrassed about it. See, provision, God is providing for you. And a big part of God's provision is have faith in the journey right now. Faith in the things I'm praying for. Faith in the, the stuff that I've just committed to God against that day. Faith in the people that I'm praying to get saved. Have faith. It takes a lot to call something provision when you don't really understand what God is doing. But it is his provision and he is going to work it out. Throughout life, there are incredible challenges and in those challenges, that God is using those challenges to provide in the big picture, the big journey, trust Him. You might want to not want to go there. I didn't want the house to burn down. But in it, God is there and start to have a peace and start to say, God, provision, I'm going to trust you. Whatever you want to do in this circumstance, this situation, I trust you. Give me the faith to trust you when the going is get, getting tough. And I don't think there'd be a person here today or online that doesn't need some faith in some situation, some circumstance to say, God, it's not the way I wanted it to be, but I've got faith and I'm gonna trust you. 
It's about understanding the seasons of life, the seasons that we go through. And in those seasons, what happens is at times we see the mighty hand of God and we celebrate what He's doing. At times we don't see His hand and we wonder what He's doing. But in all of those times, there's never a time that God isn't at work. We just like to see it. We just like to know it. We don't like to trust. Got three things here. I've got a butter bean plant, I've got a pot, and I've got some seeds. I gave these seeds to my grandson, Kaiden, to carry in here earlier on. Next minute I looked and saw all these black things over the atrium and I realized it had a hole in it. Seeds, when a farmer starts to plant the seeds, we, we see the seeds come out, here's the seeds coming out, and they're being planted. We see the seeds. We see the potential, the amazing potential. You probably can't see it, but there's amazing potential in that seed. How many people, how many nations could that seed feed? If we started off, if we planted it, we put it in the bucket here, we plant it, we water it. How many nations can it feed as it grows and we take more seeds of other plants we could feed probably the whole world if we did it properly. What a dream. And then it comes time to harvest. And when we come time to harvest, I love the harvest because I see what I get. It's always good to see what I get. Here it is, a beautiful plant. So great to see the seeds and see the potential in the seeds and what those seeds can do. We love the harvest and doing all the stuff when there's harvest time. But what about when the seed's in the ground. What's it doing? Are you enjoying watching the seeds in the ground? Are you enjoying that? What are they doing? What are you doing in there? Nothing, probably. And as we watch the seeds in the ground, we think nothing's happening. There's absolutely nothing happening. And there are seasons in our life when it feels like that. There's nothing happening. God feel like a thousand miles away. Nothing's happening. God, where are you in the now? I can't see the harvest. I've seen the harvest in the past. And I've done some great stuff and I've seen your hand move powerfully and I've seen your hand move mightily and God's an incredible miracle worker. I've seen it as I've invested and trust in you. You've come into my life and you've made a difference. But there's a season. There's a season when there seems like nothing is going on. But I want to tell you, Everything's going on. Right now in that pot, everything is going on. You see, those seeds are protected. Those seeds are protected with this outer skin, this outer layer, and that's protection. So as they go into that pot, that they are protected from any other bacterial stuff that may attack it, they are protected. So they're protected. But inside that seed, until the point that it can get its root, there is provision provided by God in these seeds that there is enough food and there is enough nourishment for that seed as it swells up under the moisture that is in the soil, as it works in the soil, that it starts to explode, that it starts to get a root, and the, start, the root starts to come down, and then another root starts to come down. And once those roots start to come down, they get all the nourishment out of the soil and they start to grow. And we look and stand back and think nothing's happening. Absolutely nothing's happening because it's in the soil. 
And I want to tell you today, the most dangerous place for our faith is when it's in the soil, when we think nothing's happening, when we think God's not there, when we think God hasn't heard our prayer. I want to tell you, every single prayer we pray, God has heard. You're just in the soil. And it's in the soil that that immense faith happens and that immense growth happens that these seeds start to take root, start to understand what they're supposed to do and they start to grow and then comes harvest time. I can't take this away and say those seeds can go to that. It's impossible. And when we can't see what God is doing, when our prayers aren't being answered the way we want God to answer them, our face just in the soil. It's not going to stay there. But in the soil, we need to feed our faith. We need to trust that God is still working. We need to trust that, that God is doing a work in me and through me, right in that 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 time when we're not seeing the answers that God hasn't forgotten me. To feed our, our spirits with his word, to feed our hearts with faith and to, to keep growing, to every day rise up and realise that he who is in me is greater than he that's in the world. To give God the honour like Jonah did. Where was Jonah when the, the mammoth um, wind and rain was happening? He was asleep in his bed because he realised there is no one that can pluck him out of God's hands. This morning, the prayers that haven't been answered, the questions you're asking God, the whys and did I get it wrong or maybe or, or somehow it didn't work, your faith is in the soil very dangerous for your faith because you can doubt. But I want to say, have faith again and trust that God is working in the soil. God is doing some absolutely amazing things in the soil. Each day, I want to encourage you to arise with all the strength of heaven. I have God's strength to pilot me. I have God's might to uphold me. I have God's wisdom to guide me. I've got God's eyes to look before me. I've got God's ears to hear me. I've got God's word to speak for me. I've got God's hand to guard me. I've got his shield around me to protect me. I've got the host of heaven to save me from everything, every disappointment, every hurt, every pain. A faith is not meant to stay in the soil. There will be a harvest and it's coming. A harvest that only God can do and it's coming. And just wants us to trust him. In the unknown and the unanswered in the questions, trust him. He's still mightily and he's still powerfully at work.